0: Welcome to the Places Where We Go podcast. Hello, I'm Julie.
1: And I'm Art. Join us as we share our travel stories. We'll tell you about where we've been, what we saw, and what we did. We're always looking for a bit of an adventure.
0: Sometimes we travel far. Sometimes we explore the places close to our home. Wherever we go... We'll let you know about the highlights and top tips to help you plan your future adventures.
1: This is the Places Where We Go podcast. Welcome back to the Places Where We Go podcast, where we continue our travels through Poland today, going to the town of Poznan. This is the fifth largest city in Poland. This thousand-year-old city on the River Warta offers a lot for tourists. You're going to find history and culture in this friendly and colorful city. In 2019, Poznan was voted the fifth best city on the best European travel destinations list. Today, we're going to cover highlights from our trip to Poznan to help you understand what to expect if you travel there. So our last episode, we were with you in the city of Torun, and from there we took a train ride, and about an hour and a half later, we found ourselves in the city of Poznan. And after our arrival, this particular place, we ended up having to take a taxi to our hotel because it was too far to walk. And this is where I ended up learning a little bit about how um, taxi culture, and I think just Exchanging money works a little bit in Poland. So so the way this worked, we're in the taxi. The taxi driver told us how much the ride was. I gave him the closest denomination that I had, which was like double the amount of the the trip cost. And I said, thank you, meaning I was trying to convey, you know, thanks for the ride. And he was like ready to kick us out of the car and take off. So apparently in Poland, when you hand money over to somebody who's providing service to you, like in this case, a taxi driver, and if you say thank you, that apparently is code for keep all of the money that I gave you. <laughs> <laughs> and in this particular case, this would have ended up being a 100% tip, which was not my intention. So we had a little bit of an awkward moment where I had, to kinda, awkward. Yeah, I had to kind of reel that back in. But that was a learning moment for me. And after that, I never told anybody... <laughs> thank you when I gave him money, unless the transaction was fully complete. There's a tip for you. And we're going to dive into highlights of the city. We spent two and a half days here, and we're going to take you through roughly about 10 highlights, depending how you're counting. We actually have quite a bit. So Julie, let's dive in.
0: So we're going to take you to Poznan's Market Square. It's the central heart of Poznan. And it's called the Rinnik, and it's where you start your exploration in this city. On weekends, the square is full of vendors. They sell all kinds of food and clothing. There's souvenirs, of course. And on the perimeter of the square, there are vibrantly painted Baroque-style buildings and restaurants and cafes that are just bustling with people. The architecture reminded us of the style that we saw in Gdansk. And the square has four fountains, which include figures of Prosperpine, Apollo, Mars, and one of the most famous, Neptune. We saw more pubs in, around this rinic that we were in than any other towns that we visited at that point in Poland.
1: Yeah, my understanding is Poznan kind of has a reputation for having a really wonderful beer culture and we definitely saw many places where you can grab beers and we did that a few times Mm -hmm. too
0: we did today our understanding is that there is construction going on in this town square of poznan and we'll continue to have construction through the bulk of 2023 just so you're aware of what's going on there
1: yeah So there were several places of note around this market square. We're going to call out a few to you. One is the Town Hall, and this is probably the most prominent building in the market square. So this is found in the northeast corner, and it's known as the Pearl of the City. It's a spectacular building. They built this one back in the 13th century. It was once upon a time a center for the local government, but today... It's the home of the Museum of the History of the City of Poznan.
0: Planned to take some time to step inside this old town hall and visit. We did so and viewed a number of paintings and old artifacts inside that were focused on the history of the city itself. There are three floors here. On the top floor is a gallery of portraits of yagi kings.
1: Yeah, we took, uh, when we were visiting there, we ended up having a few rainy days, and so Mm -hmm. we took refuge from the rain a few times in some of the city museums. Now, there's something pretty famous that happens in front of this building, the town hall, and it's the Fighting Goats of Poznan. So when you visit the old town hall, you'll want to time your visit to be here just before noon, stand outside, and when you look up at the town hall, there's three turrets with a clock tower at the middle. And as the clock gets closer to noon, typically a crowd starts to assemble and it grows larger and bigger. Mm-hmm. And at noon, a bell rings, two doors open. And out of those doors, there's two billy goats who emerge and engage in a fight And these billy goats have been battling it out since the year 1551. At the noon hour, they butt heads 12 times and continue a tradition that's been going on for centuries.
0: What's the backstory of this goat fight, you might ask? We found this on Atlas Obscura, so here we go. Back in the middle of the 16th century, there was a chef in town. Some versions call him Pete who was charged with cooking an elaborate feast for the mayor and some visiting dignitaries. Pete set about preparing some roast deer, but things didn't go so well. Distracted by the festivities of the big event, this beautiful joint of venison ended up falling off the spit, straight into the fire, and burning to a crisp. Pete needed some new meat, but the butcher had no more venison. In a desperate move to save the meal and his own neck he grabbed two grazing goats from a nearby meadow but they escaped his grasp and darted off towards town hall they ran up the stairs into the tower catching the attention of the crowd below when they emerged from the turret locked horns and began to battle it out the crowd included the mayor and his guests who were more charmed than they were angry about the meal so pete and the goats were pardoned a new clock was in the works for the town hall So the mayor ordered that the two goats be added to the mechanism, cuckoo clock style.
1: So thank you, Atlas Obscura, for giving us that story. And goats have become symbolic in Poznan. You'll see them in many places, including in local art and, of course, in souvenir shops. And we saw them speckled throughout the city. Mm -hmm. It's kind of the, the goat place. Another place of interest that's in the Market Square area is the Croissant Museum. So Poland has a traditional croissant. It's a little bit different than the French variety. This one is made by folding the dough 81 times into the shape of a horseshoe. Each fold uses a filling of poppy seed paste, which is mixed with raisins, almond, sugar, and butter. All quite yummy stuff. And after it's baked, it's covered with icing and then more nuts and more sugar. And there is a law that dictates that this Polish croissant must weigh between 150 and 250 grams. It's called the Rogal Swięto-Marczynski, and it can only be made by law in the city of Poznan by a trained and certified baker's. And a bakery has to have an official certificate to sell these croissants. So if you want to try an official Polish croissant or Rogal Świętomarczyński, you're going to have to get yourself to Poznan because that's where the real deal is available. And this also is accompanied with a legend that goes back to 1891 when a young priest in town was looking for ideas to inspire his congregation to be more charitable to the poor during the cold winter months. One day after the priest's sermon, a young confectioner from a nearby bakery witnessed a horse that lost its shoe. This person, recalling the legend of St. Martin, became inspired to create the Polish croissant in the shape of a horseshoe and offer it to the city's poor. And this act of charity is celebrated every year on November 11th, which is the feast day of St. Martin. And on that day, the town of Poznan consumes nearly 700,000 croissants during this celebration. Wow. And if you visit the city of Poznan, you can learn about the history of the croissant, learn about the making of the croissant at St. Martin's Croissant Museum. It's a hands-on bakery that explores the history of the Polish treat. And at the end of the museum experience, you can sample croissants. And even you can receive a certificate that entitles you to bake The legally protected croissant yourself. This museum is located one block from the main market square. You will want to book tickets in advance as seating is limited and times available at each session are, you know, only um, those are also limited. Each session only accommodates a maximum of 25 people. Now, you and I, Julie, we did have croissants when we were in town, but I think Mm -hmm. at the time we didn't realize the significance.
0: We did not. We
1: just enjoyed them because they were tasty. They were
0: very tasty. And who
1: knew there was a big uh, story behind that yummy treat?
0: Now on to a different museum, the Wielkopolska Military Museum. We had one of those rainy days, and we jumped into this museum to get out of the rain. This museum has collections related to Poland's military history going all the way back to the 11th century. The highlights include a 16th century rapier sword whose hilt was forged in Milan. It is one of the most valuable objects that they have displayed. It also has some armor from the 16th century that was made in Poznan and many, many other military artifacts. We had a a very enjoyable time in this museum. Um, It not only got out of the rain, but it was extremely interesting. Most museums, including this one, had free entry on Saturdays during our visit.
1: So that's something to check out is the museum schedule. I I think, and and I believe this is customary throughout Europe, museums in general are typically closed on Mondays, and various towns sometimes will have Mm -hmm. free days. So that's something to look up before you visit, I think, any town in Europe to see how that works. Now, in our... Episodes to date on Poland, we've been talking about a number of churches we visited, and I think every town that we came upon, we stepped into probably several churches, and there, there was no exception when we, were, when we were in Poznan. One of the themes that I think we noticed is as we made our way from Szczecin, which is on the northwest of Poland, and started to descend down. The churches started to become more ornate and more Mm -hmm. elaborate. Mm -hmm. And by the time we got to Poznan, now we started to see much more for the eye than we had seen in Gdansk and in the previous episode we had in Torun where you had more of that white wall left over from the Protestant era. Mm -hmm. So in Poznan, we stepped into the church of St. Stanislaus. And this was one of the most beautiful churches we visited during our time in Poland. It's very ornate inside with Baroque ornamentation and huge columns and statues that reminded me of several basilicas we visited when we were in Italy. So if you've been to Italy, and and if you've been into the cathedrals and the basilicas there, and you just you know think about how massive those statues are, that was kind of like what we started to see in Poznan. This is a church that took over 50 years to build, and today it holds the designation of a minor basilica. And we won't go into all of them, but there were several other churches we visited while in town, and most of them... We're kind of like stepping into a museum when you looked at the artwork and the statues mm-hmm. oh, and yeah. everything to, to look mm-hmm. at. Yeah.
0: On another day, we took a walk to a place called Park Citadella. It's an enormous park. It was about 15 minutes outside the city, of Rinnick. And we spent a late Sunday morning strolling through there. We walked there. So it was yep. a, a nice, quick walk over there and ended up in the park. Once upon a time, the park was the site of a German citadel, and that is where it gets its name. The citadel walls are still visible. There is a large military cemetery on the grounds where there are graves from both Polish and Soviet soldiers from both world wars. It was a kind of a somber area in the park, but well-maintained and a nice little stroll through that area. There was a section that was devoted to World War II history, and we saw World War II tanks and some helicopters and planes that were being displayed on the grounds there. There was also a military museum on the park grounds that you can check that out too.
1: Yeah, so you mentioned you know the cemetery with the Polish and Soviet soldiers. There was also at least one, if not more, monuments that were in memory of something or another related to Russia and, and the whole Soviet mm-hmm. Union. Yeah,
0: I remember
1: that. And you, you may come across similar monuments in Poland that have a connection to the Soviet Union. If you're able to, when you go there, I think it's always interesting to get the perspective of the locals about those. I have done that through the years, and um, I'm not going to go into <laughs> what I've been told. I'll just say it's, it's interesting to listen to how people feel about having the Soviet monuments in Poland. Mm -hmm. You may imagine how they feel. I think it's always interesting wherever you are to talk to people who live in the place and get their perspectives about the things that you're seeing.
0: Around this park, there are multiple monuments. Most interesting is the collection of 112 headless and armless bronze statues that are in the center of this park. This is the Nieros Poznani, which means unrecognized. The statues appear to be stepping in different directions. It's a little bit eerie. It has a sense of you're walking into some kind of zombie movie with these headless figures, especially if you get there and it's on a, a foggy day. I can imagine how eerie that can look. This sculpture was created by an artist named Magdalena Abakanowicz, and she erected this or had it erected in 2002 as part of the celebration of the 750th anniversary of Poznan's founding. The symbolism of these statues is about asking the question of where the city is coming from, where it is going and these are how the artists confronted a sense of lingering fear, thus that eerie yep. feel to it. Yeah.
1: Moving on from the zombies, time Yeah, to... so
0: there's lots of little resting areas. There's, there was a, a little restaurant there, too. Mm-hmm. People were getting their lunch there, sitting areas. There was these hammocks that you could kick back and relax. They in. looked so
1: relaxing, Julie. Yes, yes. yes. You
0: thought it was so relaxing. You thought, hey... Hey, i'm gonna go relax a minute or two over here yeah, it was
1: a nice afternoon it wasn't raining
0: yeah it was yeah it was quite the comical scene when you tried to get in the hammock and kind of flipped around and fell out
1: and then i tried I again tried not to laugh <laughs> and then i tried again i <laughs> felt my face again <laughs> i don't know I, I couldn't i couldn't master the, ha- the hammock
0: you have since mastered it
1: i have yes, yes. That was probably like the first time we ever tried to get in a hammock and apparently, depending how they're set up, you can either have a successful entry into a hammock or not. And I learned how to not get into a hammock. These were small. These were
0: quite small. So I could see how you could flip around really easy. So we kind of relaxed there for a little while despite your little falling. Mm -hmm. Tip though, this park is so huge and they do have maps of the park. So I would definitely get a map to this park before you start walking around in it it helps a lot
1: yeah i think when you think about like big city parks be it probably central park in new york when we went to hyde park in london and there's like so many things to see on the grounds this is kind of like that where if you don't know where you're going there may be something of interest that you're not even going to know what's there so a map is really helpful Mm -hmm. Mm A reasonable walk away from the city center is a place called Ostrov Tumski, and we walked over there one day. It was about a 30-minute walk, and it's also, this would be known in English as Cathedral Island. Some people call this area the birthplace of Poland. It's an island that sits in the center of the Varta River, and there was a particular place of interest we wanted to see. Mm-hmm. So we made our way. We're walking. We're getting closer to- Going over to, the bridge. To this place, yep. Yeah. And then we start to hear the music.
0: Yes. And it was extremely loud.
1: Loud, and get, it would get louder the closer we yes. got. And then you hear the guitars and the drums and the heavy metal. It was
0: heavy metal. And we're like,
1: what's going on? Because we were en route to a church- and the closer that we got to the church, the more heavy metal that we heard. and
0: It seemed out of place to us. Yeah. We were like, wait a minute.
1: I'm like, why is there a heavy metal concert happening in front of this uh ancient historic church? And, I, and when I got closer, I'm able to start hearing the lyrics. It was like a heavy metal Christian band Damn. playing, but... It I don't know it just seemed out of place for too. us
0: it was just, it just seemed very out of place yeah. we at least it was outside yeah and at least it wasn't during a mass well no ju-
1: that's not true so there was actually something going on in the church but so it, wasn't
0: it, oh, it was a wedding there was a
1: wedding going on in that's the church right. yes yes and it was like deep purple <laughs> outside yeah
0: how could that be it was like
1: that loud well when we actually got inside the church we didn't hear the music inside so. Yeah. Maybe the walls were so thick enough that it kind of helped, but it's still weird. So so let's get into this church because it's probably one of the most, if not the most historic, I'm going to say one of the most historic churches in Poland.
0: Mm -hmm. So it's the Poznan Cathedral of St. Peter and Paul. This is one of the oldest churches in Poland and the country's oldest cathedral dating all the way back to the 10th century. So I was very excited knowing this information to go visit this church. The earliest church on the site dates back to the year 966 AD, while the current church building dates back to the 14th century. The cathedral is the burial place of many Polish kings and rulers. Among these are Mieszko I, who is the founder of the first independent Polish state, the Duchy of Poland. The cathedral stands tall with five towers, three of which are copper, onion towers with a green patina. The interior is impressive with gilded designs, sculptures throughout, and huge stained glass windows. It was beautiful. Yeah.
1: A very historic church, and um, we're going to get to a little bit later the relevance of the year 966 that you mentioned because mm-hmm, mm-hmm. that plays a very, very significant part in Polish history. But that's to come a little bit later. Right now, we're going to continue our walk from the cathedral. So when we were in this um, Ostrov Tumski area, there's a place that was on our list of things to see called the Brahma Poznania, or I think that translates into the, the gate of Poznan. And I think we were looking for an actual gate, because yeah. we've seen like these historic gates in other cities and some of them in Poland as well. But as we we're walking toward this area, we didn't see a gate. And talking to some people, it turns out that there is this bridge that we ended up walking over. And the side of the bridge was the old entryway into the city. And that's what is known as the Brahma So, we took some photos at the site. There's also a a museum at this location. It's called the Porta Poznania Heritage Center. It covers the beginnings of Polish statehood in a modern and interactive format. There's an exploration route inside, one for children, another one for adults, that kind of takes the form of a game that makes the visit there engaging for visitors regardless of age. One word of warning in this museum to move from one exhibit room to another, you cross over a glazed bridge that has a see-through to the bottom that goes down about 15 meters. So if you're scared of heights, as I am, that might freak you out.
0: Okay, moving on to another monument called the Enigma Codebreaker. We have run across several presentations of this same code-breaking event, whatever, this discovery that was made in different museums that we've visited.
1: And some movies.
0: Yeah, because it was a huge deal. It was huge. And when most people think about this, what comes out in their mind is the person that was responsible for breaking the code all by himself. But let's fact check that. That is not true. There were three Polish mathematicians who had already broken the code of the earliest Enigma machines, and their work assisted this man that's credited towards this, called Alan Turin. The deciphering of the Enigma Code is credited as a significant step in defeating the German regime during World War II. It was huge. You'll find a three-sided bronze memorial monument that is dedicated to these three Polish mathematicians next to the Imperial Castle. We ended up at the castle looking for exhibits related to this enigma code but somehow entered the wrong door never found the interactive enigma exhibit but it's there somewhere finding it eluded us which was frustrating
1: yeah so we and got went- yeah we got here after we had spent you know quite a bit of time at the park and as you mentioned you know, we walked that particular day from the market square to the park from the park to try to find this enigma code Mm -hmm. with my mom who was like banging on the door of 80 years old yeah so by the time we got to Mm -hmm. this which was like one of the last things of this you know very long morning into early afternoon we were trying to be you know, mindful of she's probably pooping out so we're not going to keep wandering the halls
0: we could have
1: we could have yeah and we would have But sometimes you need to be aware of who's with you and what they're capable of doing. So maybe you who are listening will go to Poznan and go see all of the exhibits they have related to the Enigma Code. And then you can drop us a line and let us know what we missed. Another museum. So there's so many museums in Poznan. And we're not even going to touch on all of them. But there's one there called the Museum of Musical Instruments. So this museum was on our list, but it was closed when we were in town. We actually ran into a few museums that were closed Mm -hmm. that we were hopeful to see, but just didn't work out. If you're interested in musical instruments and their history, you're going to find a collection here of over 2,000 items from Poland and around the world that are displayed on three floors, including lutes that go back to the 15th century. The collection has around 160 pianos and a whole bunch of mechanical instruments, including music boxes, barrel organs, jukeboxes, and gramophones. So if you're a musical instrument fan, there's a museum in town for you.
0: All right, so let's talk about some culinary highlights from our time in Poznan. We had heard about something called bar mleczny, which is milk bar, Which is very interesting to me because, you know, as a uh, British ancestry person, I hear milk bar and I'm thinking, oh, so different milk? So you get, do you get milkshakes? Do you get, I mean, what is something that specializes
1: in dairy products, perhaps? Yes. But
0: no, no, absolutely not. They are originally Polish cafeterias during the communist era where government subsidized Polish cuisine and it was provided at a low cost. They started to make their comebacks in early 2010 as small, inexpensive restaurants. Tried it for the first time for me. I don't know,
1: that, that you've was been my, to Poland
0: no, met several times. Yeah, but
1: this was my first time doing the milk bar thing. Was it? Yeah. So it was
0: for you also. It was the yep, first time yep. trying this. We were looking for something to eat for on a Friday night for dinner, and we did find a milk bar.
1: So what did our milk bar dinner include here, Julie? Well,
0: we ordered some tomato soup with a fish fillet in it. It had mashed potatoes, some cabbage slaw, and a drink all for $3.66. That's US dollars.
1: Yep. There's a value. Dinner for 3 bucks.
0: Yes. Wonderful, right?
1: What did you think, Julie?
0: Well, I remember now. I remember putting in my mouth the tomato soup. Actually, was the first thing, and the first thing I think I said was, "Hmm, tastes like Campbell's," and I'm not a fan of Campbell's.
1: No, it had the wet mushy noodles in it.
0: Very wet mushy noodles. I no, I was not impressed.
1: Yeah, you thought it was terrible. I was for three bucks and fifty cents. Yes, I was more okay with it than you were.
0: We we didn't have the pleasant of server. No. No. You made some analogies of this person, I remember. Yeah,
1: those of you who are familiar with the Seinfeld episode with the soup person, we had a lady that was like his cousin. We'll leave it at that.
0: (laughs) Yeah, so not real impressed by this particular milk bar. Oh, and the drink. I do remember that. Yes. It was like watered-down Kool-Aid. It was horrifying.
1: (laughs) But we learned what it apparently was. was yes, yeah.
0: water with raspberry syrup in it.
1: Yeah. As they say when in Rome, you do what people do. Milk bars are a thing in Poland. We figured we had to try it at least once, and we'll put it under the category of been there, done that. Yes. Okay, so... Ah,
0: but there was something worse.
1: There was. So do yeah. we want to move into that?
0: Uh, yes, but right. I didn't partake of this. I think no. I, sipped, I sipped your...
1: Yeah, I don't know if you... You must have sipped it. I sipped it. I think I sipped it. So another thing that we tried for the first time in Poland, and part of our travel in Poland, like when we go anywhere, is if there's something new to try, we're going to try it. So one afternoon, we're at a place. I think my mom wanted coffee. You were having probably, I don't know, maybe coffee too, whatever. I saw something on the menu that grabbed my attention because I'd never had it before. Yes,
0: and you are a... Daring soul.
1: Yes. So on the menu was something called Piva Goroncha, I believe it was called, which was a mold beer.
0: Yeah.
1: So it was supposed to be a mold beer. I've never had a mold beer before. So let's try a mold beer because I've not ever seen one of those on the menu before. The beer comes out. So it was like this large glass ish mug type of
0: thing.
1: Like, yeah, massive mug steinish looking with the light colored yellowish beer that was just about bubbling it was so hot so it was like hot. boiling hot i took a sip of this <laughs> i mean just long story short on this, this i actually
0: w- remember your face
1: <laughs> i have a you have a picture of my face somewhere <laughs> hands down the worst beer i've ever sipped in my life and i tried
0: you did to
1: drink it because I thought
0: oh, it, was, it shocked me. You yeah. kept trying to drink it. I
1: thought I, I need to make it all go down. So slowly, yeah. I'm sipping this boiling hot mold beer, and with every sip, it doesn't get any better. The bad parts of it just get accentuated.
0: You didn't finish it
1: when I yeah. When I was said and done, yeah. I barely made it through half of the glass.
0: Yeah,
1: no more. Mm-hmm. That was it. So. My guess is that somewhere in the world, there are mold beers that are tasty. I or,
0: don't think it was supposed to be boiling. Yeah.
1: Perhaps enjoyable, but this particular one, it didn't work out. So mm-hmm. we had a couple of fails. The milk bar wasn't a success for us. The beer wasn't a success for us. Now, we did have... We had a number of meals in Poznan we enjoyed a lot. One was on my birthday
0: mm-hmm. yep.
1: at a, the small restaurant... On one end of the market square was called Viesky Yadwal. And it was like stepping into this 300, 400-year-old tavern, had that old tavern type of feel to it. And we tried a soup called Jurek oh, that was
0: there so good.
1: for yeah. the very first time. We, we found a vegetarian version yeah. of it. So yeah. at the time, we weren't eating meat. We still don't eat meat. We eat fish. But yeah, it was really tasty. And we had we, we had trout. It was it was a wonderful meal. Mm-hmm. Even though we had a few things in Poznan that were not hits, we had some other things that were just phenomenal.
0: Oh, like pończki.
1: Mm-hmm. That What's a pończki, Julie? It's a
0: Polish donut, and it's it's filled with usually prunes, but it can be filled with other things too. And it was just the first time I tried it, it was just absolutely wonderful. In Poznan, I think I had a pończki. Your mom you had, had gotten... You, yeah. Ponchki for some holiday or something like that. But this one was better. Poznan ponczki right out of the little bakery area that they had was just wonderful. It had almonds on it and mine had like candied orange on top. It was very, very tasty.
1: Yummy stuff. And then we ran into something else about restaurants that we reflected on in Poznan.
0: In general, we found it interesting that... The service was, if you were compare it to what we were used to in the U.S., it was kind of slow.
1: It was very slow. And this was like everywhere. Everywhere. Yeah.
0: You'd sit down. Nobody seemed to be in a hurry to get to you. You waited forever to get a menu. Then you'd wait to place your order. And then you'd wait to get your order. It just seemed everything was very Slow pace, yeah,
1: and then once we're done with food and we were ready for a check, oh, that, yeah, that always took like a
0: long time. we thought maybe we were doing something wrong because we're like, are we supposed to like is there a hand signal is there what are we supposed to do
1: yeah, so and, and I think this is not the first country in Europe where we experienced this, so if a listener knows if there's like in these European restaurants a certain sign or signal you're supposed to give for when you're ready for the check, let us know because we did not figure that out and we spent a lot of time in restaurants.
0: But your mom didn't know either.
1: Just waiting. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) They seemed in no hurry to... Well, and that was also interesting because in some of these restaurants, there would be like lines of people waiting to get in Mm -hmm. and the staff inside didn't seem to be in any hurry to move people out when they were done with their meals. Yeah, yeah.
0: It's just not what we're used to. Yeah,
1: maybe it's just a different cultural Mm -hmm. norm. Let's move on to lodging. So in Poznan, we stayed at a hotel called Hotel Wioski, which I believe translates to like hotel Italian. This place was about a 15 minute walk from the market square. And a couple of nice touches we had is when we arrived there, we found in our room a complimentary bottle of wine, which, mm-hmm. surprise, surprise, the name of the bottle mm-hmm. that we got was called Julia, mm-hmm. which mm-hmm. is your name. Mm-hmm. So. How's that for personalization? And we also got a coupon for free champagne. So we had a early nightcap one evening, actually our first night there. The staff at the hotel was really courteous, really friendly. Most of them spoke very fluent English. And the thing I loved most about this hotel yeah. was the breakfast buffet. Mm-hmm. So, you know, a typical breakfast buffet when we would walk down here, you'd had smoked fish. We had smoked mackerel. There oh, were oatmeals, so there were salads, different preparations of tomatoes, all kinds of different breads, pickles, steamed eggs. And who would have thunk that they would even have at breakfast a vodka bar?
0: Oh, you were so excited about yes. that. Yes.
1: So, again, when in Rome, if they're serving me vodka for breakfast, I don't want to be disrespectful. So, I had my <laughs> vodka for breakfast. Thank you very much.
0: And it was your birthday.
1: Yeah, during our our visit there, yeah, yeah. we we had the buffet there. I think every morning that we were yeah, there, so we probably did. like three times. We
0: did, but I think that first time you hit it was on your birthday. Yeah,
1: so I um, really enjoyed breakfast at the Hotel Vioski, mm. and this was another one of those hotels. I looked at the prices just the other night, and I'm still finding like nightly rates somewhere in the forty to fifty bucks a night. Yeah. So, and talk about a value. This is just another place where, you know, good place to stay and you're not going to pay an arm and a leg.
0: Hey, Art. How about some fun facts?
1: Fun fact time. Let's go for Mm -hmm. it. What do we got?
0: Poznan is Poland's fifth largest city. It is apparently the only city mentioned in the Polish national anthem. The country of Poland actually was born in Poznan.
1: Yep. Poznan has its own dialect of Polish, and there's, there's a few places in Poland that have their own kind mm-hmm. of dialect. Many of those residing in Poznan use a dialect that's called Gwara Poznanska. It's a dialect not only used in Poznan, but in much of the region that was formerly part of Prussia. It's a dialect that is heavily influenced by the German language.
0: The Christianization of Poland took place in Poznan. Prior to Christianity, the area was full of different pagan tribes. Svetovid, a Slavic god of war, fertility, and abundance, was a popular pagan god. In the ninth century, Christianity arrived in Poland, and it was the first ruler of the Polish state, Mieszko I, who oversaw the conversion of the country to Christianity in the year 966.
1: The whole country. The
0: whole country.
1: So we ended up hearing some debate about exactly where this conversion happened. So it was either on the site of the cathedral that you talked about, the uh, Poznan Cathedral, or in the nearby town of Gniezno. So I've heard versions of the history in both places. But nevertheless, in the year 966 AD, King Mieszko coordinated a baptism of the entire country, and that was a turning point of Catholicism for Poland. So there you go.
0: So there it is.
1: So thanks for joining us on this visit to Poznań, Poland. We hope you heard a few things that sound of interest and will help you uh, think about a visit to this wonderful Polish city. Next time we get together, we're going to take you to Wrocław, Poland, where we had probably some of the most fun.
0: I love that. Yeah, place. I love that city. So
1: you have to tune in next time and hear about our adventures because we had some very interesting. Yeah, that that yeah.
0: city is a hidden gem. Yeah, I think most people don't really go there. It's not really on the list of
1: probably not top tourist.
0: Yeah, but it was list. wonderful.
1: Yeah. And you'll hear why in a couple of weeks when you join us again. Yes, yes.
0: If you're not subscribing to us yet, take a minute to subscribe in Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or your favorite source of podcasts and catch up on our future episodes.
1: So thanks again for listening, for joining us on another episode of our travel adventures, and we'll talk to you in a couple of weeks.
0: Dova If you have any comments or information to share with us about travel, you can write to us at comments. At theplaceswherewego.com.
1: You can also follow us on social media. We're on Instagram as The Places Where We Go. You can find us on Twitter as The Places Where One, the number one. And you can watch our travel adventures on YouTube, where our channel name is The Places Where We Go.
0: Thanks for joining us, and we hope to see you at The Places Where We Go. See you next time. Bye now.